last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Outflow that deals with this whole thing of how God's Spirit wants to come into our life and, 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 and flow in our life. And it's not just to fill us up with the Spirit and give us some kind of supernatural powers. What it's about is about changing us from the inside out. And last week I talked about, Chris, the first week talked about how God wants to live His unimaginable life and of the power and, 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 and grace and confidence and everything. And, and then last week I talked about how God wants us to, in a sense, as He comes into our life, how He wants to begin to change us. And He wants to do some things in our life to give us... Uh, uh, a relationship with him so we can love God and love people in a new way. And uh, this week I want to continue that process. Acts 1.8 is kind of the overarching verse for this series. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, one of the metaphors, one of the things we've looked at in the series is this fountain metaphor, which uh, kind of is a four-tiered fountain. And, and the idea Chris introduced the first week is that the 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 tube that runs up the middle where the, the water runs up, it is kind of like the Holy Spirit flowing through our life and working in our life, God working in that way. And then as it comes out, it flows into the first tier, which is us. We talked about that last week as God fills us up, what he does in our life and how he works in our life, that, that every believer has the Holy Spirit within them, that God promises that, and as it fills it up, we talked about a passage out of Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 last week, and I'm going to refer back to those this week and actually go beyond that a little bit in verses 5 through 8 in just a little while. But the second thing in the next uh, slide is, is about, you know, as it, as he fills us up, what he does, he begins to want to, to work in our life where this, there's this overflow, this outflow from our life where we begin to, uh, to have a desire to love other people. And it says in Acts 1-8, it gives us this kind of progressive way of doing that. And it says first in Jerusalem, that's closest to home, and then Judea and Samaria, and that's, uh, a little bit further out, the community, uh, a little bit further out from that, and then to the ends of the earth. God wants us to have this focus. And so we'll be talking about these other tiers of the fountain, the flowing out. But it begins at home. We're talking today about this love God gives us, this, this power, this grace that he gives us through his Holy Spirit, how it begins to interact with people that we're closest to. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. A few weeks ago, as I was preparing and looking at this series, a verse in 2 Corinthians came to mind, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And it's this story, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but it basically says that we're a letter from Christ. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like the result of our ministry. It's not written in ink, but the spirit of the living God. And what it was, in a sense, is kind of like it was talking about this whole thing of, of who recommends you. Uh, P- Paul's talking about that there. And I was thinking about when we do re- letters of reference, when you get a job or something, you, you get people to fill out letters of reference. You, you do that, right? Yeah, no, maybe, I don't know. One of the things you do with a letter of reference is this. It, if you're... If you're just semi-coherent, you're going to get somebody to fill out a letter of reference for you that is what? That's going to do a good job. That's going to say positive things about you. I mean, it's kind of like sometimes I kind of think letters of reference are probably just useless because who in the world is going to get somebody who's going to tell bad things about them in their letter of reference? They're just not going to do that. But, you know, if somebody who is totally honest would would, would speak to, about you, and I'm thinking the only person that could be totally honest and the Holy Spirit is a person. If the Holy Spirit wrote a letter of reference for you and for me, what would it look like? What would it seem to be? What would, what would it say about us, about who we are? But it says that when, when Christ comes into our life, when his Holy Spirit begins to live in our life, the Holy Spirit begins to uh, uh, write. It's almost like a letter of our life, and it begins to work in our life in such a way that it changes who we are. And so today I want to talk about this. Now, I thought of a way of talk, starting this, uh, talking about uh, illustration of this. You know what this is? You can't see it from a distance, but this is a GPS, okay? How many of you got GPSs? Almost everybody nowadays, okay? 
coolest device my wife thought was ever made. Because uh, my wife was in the first service. She's taking her, she's got her grand, uh, grandson number one. At, uh, taking him uh, home right now because she was here first service and it's nap time. So it's really important, I found out. And um, uh, so, but I got to talk about her. I talked about her in the last service and she don't mind me talking about her. This was pre, pre-planned. My wife is directionally challenged. And, uh, and so when these came out a few years ago, we were one of the early people to, this, uh, to do this. This is a second generation for us of a GPS. Because when we moved here a few years ago, uh, I found out that my wife, how directionally challenged she was. We'd been here like six months. We had driven, you know, everywhere. And I think Peoria is like, I don't know about you guys, I think it's one of the easiest cities to drive around in I've ever been in because she's like, roads this way and roads that way. And it's crossroads. It's pretty simple. And so with Vicky, one time she calls me and she's on 116 and she's going down and she says, I'm going to the mall and I'm getting ready to get, I think I get on this first bridge, McCluggage, uh, down here, you know, on, on War Memorial. Which direction do I go to go to the mall? This wasn't her first time. Okay. This wasn't her first time. She said, I just turned left. Does that get me to the mall? And I'm going, no, honey, you'll end up in Bloomington or somewhere. I don't know, at Route 24 down in, you know, probably, what, El Paso or somewhere like that. I mean, she didn't have a clue. And so I immediately went out and bought her one of these things because she needed it because it saved us so much gas and so much money. Uh, over the years. Now, I use one, too. The old one I have, this is her new one, our newer one I got this year, you know, and so it's got, you know, all the updated maps. It's a really cool thing. But the thing about a GPS that I think is really cool is that when you get lost and you turn the wrong way, what does it do for you? Does it yell and scream at you? You're going the wrong way, idiot! No, it doesn't say that. What does it do? It goes, recalculating in the soothing voice. Doesn't it? It's, it's really nice. In a nice way, it says, you're going the wrong way. And basically what it's saying, recalculating this, it's saying, I'll get you there. Now, because you went the wrong way already, it'll take a little longer, but I'll get you there. Now, some of us today, I understand when we come here, some of us today have taken the wrong, have taken some wrong turns in life. And really all of us have in some ways. And I hope that this morning, as we look at what God's Word has to say, that God's Spirit will say to you, recalculating, I'm still going to get you there where you need to go. And it may take a little longer, but that's what the Word of God does for us. It gives us a new set of directions. And at some point along the way, if we're going to go God's way, we not only have to hear the directions, but we have to follow the directions. So God wants to recalculate our lives, and God's grace says it really doesn't matter where you've been because my grace is greater than anything that's gone on in your life, and I can get you where you need to go. But you just got to at some point stop, recalculate, let God's Word lead you in the direction it needs to lead you. So as we look at God's Word today, may we not only listen to it and look at it, but maybe respond to it in the way that God wants us to. 
Now, last week I began this series, if you weren't here, and if you were here, I can just kind of bring you back up to date. Last week we talked about a passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I had a couple of people come to me after the service and say, what translation were you reading out of? Because it didn't sound the same in my translation. Well, let me spare, share with you. You have the option nowadays to read out of multiple translations. You don't have to have the Bibles. You have, if you have a computer and you have online, you have a thing called, uh, several, but the one I use is called YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version.com. And you can go there, and for free, you can look at about 10 different, or 20, 20 different translations, English translations, and you can compare and you can ask yourself. So I use that every day for my devotionals. I look at multiple translations, and you can put them out in parallel, and you can do all kinds of things. And so often what I do is I ask myself as I read a translation of verses, and as I'm looking at it, I say, which one, first of all, is the most, is the, is the clearest in regard to how it, how it interprets the original languages. Is it from the original languages? So last week what I did is I used one which is a fairly new translation called the English Standard Version, which said something, and it's a very literal translation of Scripture, and it said this. It says, Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, and this is the verses where some of you got a little bit, uh, couldn't figure it out, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing. Now some of your translations, NIV and others, say a, a faith that is as precious as ours. But it means the same thing. A faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us uh, to his own uh, glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Four things real quickly last week, and I want to tie this in and continue in this passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you want to look where I'm going to go. It's in Second Peter chapter 1, but we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 this morning. It's four things that come out of these verses we talked about last week. First of all, it says that we have a faith of equal standing before God. It's just the same standing before God that Peter does, that Paul does. It's not a different level. You don't get different levels of the Holy Spirit. God gives you all the, the, the resources. They're, they're offered to all of us in the same way. Secondly, it says that our grace and our peace are tied to intimacy with God. They're tied to intimacy with God. It said that in verse 2. It's, it's tied to that. You know, if you want to have more grace, more peace in your life, it's not about things going well all the time. It's really tied to this relationship you and I have with God through the Holy Spirit working in our life to give us the intimacy, to give us the grace and peace we need. Thirdly, it's said that God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Everything we need to live a godly life. It says that in verse three. And then in verse four, it says, and because of all this, we take upon his divine nature. He gives us his divine nature, not because of what we've done. We don't become God, but we have this ability to live a life differently than we did before. And we can escape at the corruption of this world because of what God has done to us through his son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross and his Holy Spirit living in us. Now, this week, I want to continue with those verses because I really believe it has everything to do with this. This week is about this whole thing of how do we influence the people that are closest to us, our friends and family. How do you do that? You know, one of the problems so often when we have, when we begin the process of saying, how am I best going to influence my, my, my kids, my, uh, the people that are closest to us? What's the, the biggest barrier sometimes to that? They know us. You ever had anybody say to you, well, you know, I'm not going to listen. I don't know what uh, Chris has some saying that he t- somebody said something about a baby or something, you know. 
You did it one time about if, if, if I wiped your bottom, I'm not going to listen to your advice. That was Chris's saying. I don't know where he got that from. Dave Ramsey said that. Okay, Dave Ramsey said that. You know, sometimes because people know us intimately, what happens is, is that we, we sometimes don't want to listen to them. We know them, they know us. And some of the toughest people to really, to, to witness to, some of the toughest people to, to really, to really make an influence in their life are the people that are closest to us. That's why I believe this tier of this is probably the hardest one to influence sometimes. I have lots of people say, oh, you know, I, I can love people. I can witness to people and out in the community. I can love them in different ways. I can do it in the world. But ma'am, don't ask me to do it at home. But the people that I know the best, because they know me. And I know them. And how does that change? How do we change it? it this, these verses have everything to do with that. It says in verse 5, beginning with verse 5 of Second Peter chapter 1, it says this, For this very reason, we'll go back and talk about this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly con- kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word knowledge last week we talked about means this intimacy. It's not just about head knowledge. It's about an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. But it starts off in verse 5 by saying this, Make every effort. Make every effort. For this very reason, make every effort. Let me ask you a question. That brings to mind a question. What is it you work hardest at? If you were to make a list of the things you work hardest in doing in your life, the things that are the highest priorities in your life and you spend the most time on, what would they be? Well, when you look at this verse, when he says make every effort, what does he say we need to make every effort to do? He gives this whole list of character qualities. He's saying we need to make every effort in our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life in such a way that as we, as it develops us, what it does, it changes who we are from the inside out. It changes our character. I had to ask myself this question, do I do this? Do I wake up every day and ask myself the question, you know, are you working on your character today? No, probably like you, what I do is I wake up and I ask myself, okay, what's my to-do list today? And my to-do list has little to do so often with character issues. It has to do with stuff in life. But Peter is saying here in this passage, he's saying to us this thing. He's saying we need to make every effort. We need to place it as a top priority in our life as God's Spirit begins to work in our life, begins to open our life up to God's love, and begins to flow as a conduit out of us. What happens is we begin the process that allowing the Holy Spirit to make every We work with the Holy Spirit to allow Him to change us from the inside out. You know, it kind of like goes along with this question that you may have been asked before is this. Has anybody ever asked you, what are your goals in life? What are your goals in life? Maybe when you got, you know, were in college or in high school, coming out of high school, and what are your goals in life? What do you want to, what do you want to do? And most of the time it's about things we want to do. You know, if somebody asks us what, what is our goals in life, it'd be things like, and I can tell you from sitting down with couples who are getting married, I ask them, you know, what are your goals in your relationship? And they'll give me this list of things like, well, we want to have two kids. Or three kids or whatever. We want to buy a house. We want to do this. And they'll start naming this whole list of things to do. But very rarely, then I'll ask them a harder question. i say, well, what kind of a person do you want your spouse to be? 
You don't look at me like with this strange glazed look and, you know, and, and, and it's a tough question because it's about character. And they'll stumble and fumble and very seldom do people have a really good, they have some great goals, but it's usually about things to do. It's not really about things to be. But Peter's saying here, hey, you know, if you really want to be in line with the Spirit, let the Spirit work in your life. You need to, you need to make every effort to cooperate with the Spirit in regard to letting Him change some things about who you are. Because when we get off track, it's when we focus all our efforts on what we want to do. And we put our character on the back burner and we sense that we're good enough and I'm going to focus on stuff and what I'm going to do. And that is such a mistake because this passage says, says this, if, the, if this character qualities are yours, it keeps you from being ineffective and nonproductive. You see that? That's what it says. See, when you are the right person, right things will be produced. The fruit will be the fruit that it's talking about here. So the question this asks us in a real sense is this. Are you trying to be the man or woman of God that God wants you to be? Or are you just trying to pursue stuff in life? Jesus says here, Peter says here, just be the person God wants you to be and make every effort toward that. And so this morning I would say to you, this passage is saying to me and saying to you, some of us need to recalculate, all of us need to recalculate Life this morning because you have to, you, if you've been focused on your to-do list is basically about things to do and not about character, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life, the primary thing he wants to do through his spirit. I understand this, and, and, I, and I don't hesitate to say this, but I just want to say, I just want to pause for a moment and say this is the toughest thing I'm going to say today. Some of you came here this morning with a hope that God would change your circumstances and fix your situation. That's what you really hope. You're in a, you're in a tough place in life, and, and you really hope that God will change your circumstances and fix your situations. But I want to say this to you, and I want to say it in love, and I want to say it because it says it in Scripture. I would say to you that God is more concerned about changing you than he is about your circumstances. God doesn't always just want to take us out of harm's way. But he, sometimes you may be in the middle of something that God is working in your life in such a way that he, he's changing you. And it usually doesn't happen. We've talked about this before when everything's going perfectly in life. See, God's spirit comes into our lives to make us into a new person. You know, last week when we looked at those verses, verse 3, it said this. It says, let me go back to those and read those if if you weren't here. It says in verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. And we get these through the knowledge, through this intimate relationship of Him who calls us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Basically this, the Holy Spirit, when he comes into our life, he allows us to live our life in such a way that we don't have to follow the world's plan anymore. There is a plan B, and it's God. really plan A is God's plan to follow his plan. But the issue is we don't have the power before, before we come to Christ, before God comes into our life, before his spirit begins to flow through us to do the things that need to be done to live a good life. 
And when he, after he says this, that's why I looked at, as I was reading these verses a couple of weeks ago, I'm going like, well, this week I'm going to talk about this. Because then it says in verse 5 again, for this very reason, because of this, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. See, the important question when we look at this that it brings up to, to me and to you is this question. This is a hard question. Do you really want to change? Do you really want to change? Because the Holy Spirit working in our life is going to change us. He's going to change the character of who we are. It's going to, it's going to make a difference in these areas that, that he just listed here. Is that the desire of your heart? I didn't, did you say to yourself, I didn't come here because I wanted God to fix this or that. I came here because I want God to fix me. Because that is what the Holy Spirit came into me to do, primarily. Because I go back and I look at it, it's supported in all the rest of Scripture, particularly when you look in Galatians chapter 5 where it gives the list of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The things that happen when the Holy Spirit lives in you? Guess what? They, they seem very similar to this list we just read in, in 2 Peter. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit of the Spirit changed character. I love the quote. I was reading this week a book from Billy Graham uh, on the Holy Spirit. I was reading. Uh, I pulled it off my shelf. I'd had it for a long time. I'd read it years ago, and I pulled it and started reading it again. And I love this quote from what he says in this book. called it's, The book is called The Holy Spirit. And it says this. Man has two great spiritual needs. One is for forgiveness. The other is for goodness. God heard that first cry for help, that cry for forgiveness, and he answered it at Calvary. That's what we're going to be celebrating at Easter, the, the God's solution to the issue of forgiveness. At Easter, in about, what, three weeks from now, three or four weeks from now, we have Easter. And in Easter, we're going to, I'm excited about Easter now. I mean, I truthfully, a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of ho-hum about Easter, just to be honest with you. And this past week, we had a creative team meeting, and we sat down, and we talked about it, and we have some incredible uh, resources that we're going to do, some video stuff, some, some incredible things, some music and some stuff. And, and I'm pumped about the message that God has given us, given me to, to share with you. And I tell you, you know, get ready for Easter. It's going to be great. Not only that, I mean, not only come yourself, but invite your friends, invite people that you don't even like. God will change their character and you might start liking them. But the issue is, is that, you know, this is the first, he said, that's the first great spiritual need. Billy Graham says that. He heard that cry and he answered the cry for forgiveness and answered at Calvary. But God also heard our second cry, the cry for goodness, and he answered it at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came. And this is what he says in the book, another quote there. It says, God does not want us to come to Christ by faith and then lead a life of defeat, discouragement, and dissension. Rather, he wants to, and he quotes 2 Thessalonians 1, chapters, verses 11 and 12. He says, rather, he wants to fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power in order that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. He is the source of power who meets our need to escape from the miserable weakness that grips us. See, what it's going to happen, if you want to make an... 
The problem, the barrier between you and I making an influence is the Holy Spirit flows into us and we go out and we're saying like, you know, in this first tier of the fountain when it flows and we begin the process of influencing those closest around us. If what we say and what we do don't match up, what's going to happen? They won't believe us. And they have every right not to. I mean, if you tell your kids, don't do this, but you do it, they have every right to not follow your plan. If you tell your neighbor or your friend, I mean, if, you, if, if your character doesn't match up to what you're telling them, you understand the barrier here? And, and the Holy Spirit working in us can overcome that. It's our only hope in a real sense for what uh, uh, Billy Graham says, for goodness, for following God's plan, because that's what it says. It says in Second Peter, uh, as we read that last week. It kind of reminded me of, I heard this before, but an illustration. And this illustration, now, now Chris, I understand we, it's not theologically correct, so uh, we had this little debate, not a debate. We had, I said, you know, if Jesus showed up today, at church, and Chris said, well, you know, this is what happened. He was talking about Bible. I'm talking about an illustration, okay? It has nothing to do with what you're talking about. It was good, though. It was really good. But uh, uh, it, that wasn't a meeting the other uh, while ago, okay? Um, but Jesus, just, just, just for illustration's sake, Jesus shows up in bodily form here in this service today, in bodily form. And he comes up and he speaks to us and he, at the end of his, of his talk, and we've listened with rapt attention, he says to you and to me, I want to give you two choices. You only have two choices. And what I want to give you, give you plan A and plan B. And this is the choice that you get to choose. And if whatever plan you choose, it's going to happen to you for the remainder of this year, for the remainder from, from April, May, June, all the way to the end of the year. For the remainder of this year, these, you get plan A or plan B in your life, and you get to choose, and you tell me as you go out the door. Which one you choose. It's up to you. He said, plan A is this. For the remainder of this year, I can make it a very easy and comfortable year for you. Everything will go your way. If you want a great marriage, it'll be yours. If you're not married and you're looking for a mate, you will find it. It. it, I don't know. Him, her, whatever. (laughs) Hopefully not an it. Okay. Him or her. You want a new job where you make three times as much as you make now? You will get it tomorrow. No one in your family will get sick this year. I'll make sure it doesn't happen. Matter of fact, at the end of the year, you will have six-pack abs and you won't even have to work out. (laughs) But then he says this. He says, also in plan A, at the end of this year, you will not be any stronger in character than you are right now. Matter of fact, you may go the opposite direction. You won't be any closer to me. Remember, this is Jesus talking. There won't be any more intimacy or closeness between you and anybody else in your family. Your character will be no different. Maybe not as good, but it will have been a fun year. Okay, that's plan A. And you get to choose. Plan B. Jesus looks at you and he says this. He said, the rest of this year, in plan B, you will go through some hardships. It's not going to be an easy year. But during those times, you and I are going to get so close and you will experience me like you've never experienced me before. And at the end of the year, you are going to be this man or woman who is far beyond where you are now in character and strength like you've never had before. But it's going to be a tough year. 
But I promise you I'll get you through it. So you get to choose. Plan A, easy street, or plan B, real life, but God's with you. You know, that's a tough choice if we're honest with ourselves. And so often we choose plan A, but most days, because most days, I don't know about you, but I don't wake up thinking about character issues. But if we listen to this, listen to these verses in Second Peter, if we listen to the total of Scripture, it says to us when God's Spirit begins to work in us, He begins to work in us from the inside out. And for us to overflow and really influence the lives of the people around us, our character needs to match up to what we say. And if you really love someone, if you really care for them, you know, I thought about this yesterday. I had all this time sitting. I, my, my job, like I said, was keeping Cooper, my grandson. Uh, yesterday morning when my wife, uh, we got a call from my daughter about 7, 7.30 to go and that she was going to the hospital. Can you all take care of Cooper? You know, I knew what my job was because Vicky's job is to go to the hospital and help Kara breathe. Because most of us guys are kind of useless at that, you know, like the whole Lobaz thing and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, even though we learn it, uh, we're not really good at it. And um, so the last baby, my wife was there through the whole pregnancy, through the whole delivery and everything, helping and everything. And my daughter said, would you come and do this again? And I said, great, great, no, no problem. I know my job. So for the whole day, I had Cooper, you know. He took the shortest nap in history. Uh, he... Uh, he was a good kid all day, no problem. But, man, he's a handful. He's almost two. And I was just worn out. But in the midst of being worn out, and later last night as I was preparing this message and thinking about it, finally about 8 o'clock till about 11 o'clock last night and 4 o'clock this morning, um, as I was thinking about all these things, something came to my mind. You know, I'm really glad that I got to spend the time with my grandson Cooper, and I hope I get to spend a lot of time with him and with my new grandson Levi. And as good as it is to spend time with them, my greatest hope, my greatest hope is that I can get to influence them for Christ. Because, you know, really nothing else matters. If I give them all, if I spoil them rotten, give them everything they want and really don't need. If I just you know, spend time going and sitting at ball games and watching them play, that's, that's good. It's not bad. But I don't influence them for the thing that's most important in life, for eternity. Does it really matter? And I know that the one thing that will make the greatest difference is they see me being the same person that I talk to them about being. And the only way that I can do that is allow God's Spirit to work in me and to flow through me. And to give me power over the corrupt, as, 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 as Peter says in verse 4, power over the corruption of this world. Because if I don't, if I try to do it in my own power, try to be good, it won't happen. Because I don't have enough power to do that. I don't think you do either. Matter of fact, I know you don't. So you want to make a difference in people's lives closest to you? Allow God's Spirit to begin to work in your character like it talks about in Second Peter. And allow him to begin to change you from the inside out. See, God wants his love to flow out from us to our family and friends. Next week, we're going to talk about how that goes out into our community and into the Judea and Samaria parts of this world. 
And uh, then the last week before Easter, we're going to talk about how God wants us to be salt and light in the bigger world where there's so much darkness. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.